Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. What is this? What, what are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? What? Our lives. What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. It's the nightcap. Are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic. You know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. On WGR Sports Radio 550. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes. Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to the Nightcap. Full show tonight. First time in a while. Actually, how long has it been? Friday? Four days? You're so starved from me on the air, I know. I was only on Sunday all day and Saturday. No, Nate was on Saturday. Don't mean to confuse you further. I know we sound alike. I wouldn't say I'm playing injured tonight, but one thing... That's interesting about uh, having a cut on your lip that was sustained by uh, an elbow to the face that I took on uh, Sunday night playing some hockey is when you drink coffee, because, you know, I have I usually have at least one cup before every show here, before I get going at 7 o'clock. I'm a night owl anyway. I'm usually up, so it doesn't really affect me all that much later on. So I usually have a cup of coffee right before the show, and... One thing I didn't you don't think about is eating and drinking hot liquids cuz it's not easy. It's not easy at all. So I'm muscling through that as we progress here. So we'll see how the energy level gets going here, but I'm pretty I'm pretty amped up to the for the start of the show here. I'm ready. 8030550 is the phone number. I want to talk some Josh Allen. I was really fired up yesterday on uh, on yesterday's show. But I only had a half hour, Monday Night Football, which was a great game, by the way. Seahawks and 49ers, probably the best Monday Night game of the season. Um, we got you to that last night. So I only had a half hour. Tried to jam in everything I could. And now I got an extended two hours. And um, I'm not sure a lot of Bills fans are going to like it. Because I'm not in a good place. I am not in a good place. And it's, for the most part, with the quarterback. It's not... So much with the coaching staff, although I you have your questions about what's going on with Brian Dable and the offense. Like, why the hell isn't Devin Singletary getting the football at all, except for one game? Are they really a product of their schedule? Late game decision making by Sean McDermott and the Bills. There's the usual stuff on that front. But all of that to me is just kind of noise. It's just kind of a distraction from the main issue at hand. And the main Bulldog made a great point at the beginning of the afternoon show today in that all of this, the the coaching stuff, and when people start to bring up the coordinator, that's putting off the issue. And that's where I'm at. I'm not saying Brian Dable's doing a good job at all. I'm not even saying a good job, let alone great. But 
What I'm seeing right now is the Bills have a quarterback that is having a lot of trouble hitting open receivers, especially when they're down the field. Most importantly, when they are down the field. And that's where my biggest worry is with Josh Allen. Because of that inability, teams, I think, are starting not to respect that deep ball. I was starting to wonder, like, when's that going to happen? Because, you know, that Bengal game, what is that, four games into the season? That's the third game of the season. There's not a huge sample size on what Allen was this year, but there was a little bit, and the Bengals were respecting the deep ball. Robert Foster, on a play in the fourth quarter, beats his man deep. Allen throws it. And it's a little bit underthrown, and there's a safety waiting right there. That safety was backed up because that defense respected Josh Allen's arm strength. And that happened a few more times over the course of the next couple games. But what I think we've seen in the last couple of games is it's different than the beginning of the season with the vertical pass. At the beginning of the year, I felt like those guys were not completely open. Allen was maybe forcing it. He was under-throwing some balls. He was putting balls into double coverage. Not anymore. The last couple he's missed are guys running open. Andre Roberts a few weeks ago. John Brown before that. There was a pass to John Brown. I think maybe that was in the New England game. This past Sunday, Isaiah McKenzie has five steps on his corner. Or whoever's covering him. And Allen puts it way over his head. Sails it. And now we're reaching a point where I think teams are starting to play Josh Allen a little bit more. And I see there's a little bit of film evidence out here. I don't think teams are completely selling off to do this. But maybe they're starting to trend in the direction of, hey, if I'm game planning for Josh Allen and the Bills, I'm going to prepare as though I'm playing a game manager type of quarterback. Because that's kind of what the Bills have so far this year. Because to be honest, I don't think Allen's been that bad. He's been okay. He's been fine. I would say he's been fine this year. But how has he done that? He's done that kind of like Tyrod Taylor used to do. Running the football, lately at least, not throwing interceptions, taking chances when you have the when they're you have they're like completely wide open. But otherwise not forcing anything you don't have to, not trying to play hero ball. He's, they're playing him like a game manager. And there's been a visible difference in Josh Allen in the past couple of weeks versus the beginning of the season. And part of that is good because he was playing hero ball way too often. Those rollouts to the right where he throws it back over the middle of the field or he tries to force a throw that's just not there. That happened way too often. But that's completely gone away. And it's taken the good plays with it. And I, the vertical pass, the deep ball, I don't even know how to explain that. that. That's just inaccuracy. That's all that is. And really, you know, fans shouldn't be surprised by that. You should not be surprised by that. How many former quarterbacks came on our airwaves? I'm thinking about Dan Orlovsky for this. I'm thinking about Chris Sims for this. Quarterbacks that are Former quarterbacks that are now in the media who are experts on the position. How many times did you have to hear, accuracy is not really something you can teach. It's not something someone can get leaps and bounds better in. They could get a little bit better, but they're not. Josh Allen was never going to suddenly become a Drew Brees type, just completing 70% of his passes. That was never going to happen. And to his credit, though, I will say he's reached 
that one aspect of it that Sims and Orlovsky I remember talking about, which he has improved subtly. He's gotten a little bit better, especially in the short to intermediate passes. But we've seen regression in the deep ball because that's gone to zero. 0 for 16 on passes over 30 yards in the air. All of that added up has me in a position where I'm not any closer nine games into the season. I'm not any closer to thinking that Josh Allen is the Bills franchise quarterback. I mean, I was optimistic that that was the case at the beginning of the season. I was hopeful that that's the case. And I would still say to some extent I'm hopeful. But the tank is starting to run empty. And my tank empties probably quicker than I think a lot of fans does. Does. I'm not about making excuses for why something hasn't worked. Quarterbacks that are special, show it. Deshaun Watson, right away in Houston. You could just see it. That kid is special. Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. could see it right away. Russell Wilson in Seattle. You could see it right away. Cam Newton in Carolina, right away. And sure, there are some examples, very few, of a guy that suddenly gets leaps and bounds better. But honestly, the one guy, if you're if you're a fan looking to make that argument, the one guy you could hold your hat on was was Jared Goff. And that's gone back to being not so great. So, like Lamar Jackson, too. I should have thrown him in there. Lamar Jackson, special. You could see it right away. And I'm left wondering, when does that happen for Allen? Because if it doesn't happen by the end of this season, like the clock for me, the clock is ticking. That's when my internal clock runs out on thinking he can be the franchise quarterback. Like not not even. But how do I want to define that? I guess for me, a franchise quarterback might be something more than what you, yours might be. For me, it is like a legitimately a star quarterback, an elite level quarterback, or at least a guy that can have elite seasons. Like, when I'm thinking about other quarterbacks around the league, I'm trying to think of who I would think about for that. Like, Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford. Like, that's the that's the bottom line for me. Like, I don't want to go any lower than that. But other people might have different interpretations of what a franchise quarterback might mean. Some people might think Derek Carr is good enough for that. Some people might think, I don't know, Dak Prescott, who was even better than Derek Carr, is good enough for that. I bet you right now, if I put a poll up on Twitter, would you take Josh Allen being Dak Prescott? I bet a lot of fans would say yes to that. I personally wouldn't. Maybe my bar's too high. I don't know. But it's frustrating for me when I see a lot of these quarterbacks around the league are just lighting it on fire. They are just playing out of their minds. They are special players. And the Bills had a chance to get them. That's the most frustrating part for me. When you had a chance for Mahomes and you didn't take him because of whatever reason. Because you weren't ready to take a quarterback. When Watson got picked right after that, in same thing. You weren't ready to take a quarterback. So you had a chance at those two guys. Didn't want to do it. All right, fine. Lamar Jackson, same thing. He is amazing right now. You didn't want to do that. In fact, we saw, we heard less chatter about Lamar Jackson than any quarterback. We heard more Mason Rudolph chatter for the Bills than we heard Lamar Jackson. What's to make me think that they wouldn't have chose Rudolph if Allen wasn't sitting there on the board for them? I don't know. I'm in a bad place with the whole thing right now. And it's mostly just frustration that you spent so much to get him. 
and I look around the league, and I see guys that teams spent nothing to get, like Gardner Minshew and Kyle Allen and Mason Rudolph in Pittsburgh. And honestly, even Brandon Allen for a game, who I didn't know existed until two weeks ago in Denver. And these guys are having similar performances to Josh Allen. Which is fine, but I spent what to get my guy? That's why the bar needs to be higher. Carolina can be happy with what Kyle Allen has become. Because they didn't have to spend, spend a damn thing to get Kyle Allen. There's more pressure on Allen inherently because of where he was chosen and because of what they traded to get him. I get that. And maybe that shouldn't matter too much, but it does matter to me. Because you had a quarterback in here that I personally liked, that I personally thought was pretty good, but of course had his limitations. And I wanted them to take a shot. I wanted them to go for a, a new quarterback, a young one, a guy, a guy in that first round, and they did that. And I'm happy they did that. But that doesn't mean you have to lock yourself into him. For however long. I'm not advocating that you get rid of him at the beginning of next season. Or anything like that. But I'm just saying, if this season continues to go this way. And we go through a full second year. And we suddenly get into, how many games would that be? They got seven games left. That would be 27 starts for Josh Allen. That's a lot to me. 27 starts is a lot to me. For the most part, I think you know who a quarterback is after 27 starts. Because there are very few instances where it's different. Where a guy suddenly gets way better. 803-0550 is the phone number. Am I, am I being too harsh here? It's possible. I, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving myself open to that. I think it's possible I'm being too harsh. I'm too quick here to get to this. But that's how I'm feeling. That's how I'm thinking. It's, it's mostly nerves and I guess worry that this is going to go bad. And that this isn't the guy. Because I'm sick and tired of going through this process. It's the same thing. It's you bring a quarterback in. You give him a year. It's always a rookie. You can't judge him yet. Then you get to year two. And it's always still young. Can't completely judge him yet. But maybe we're a little worried. Year three. Usually it turns pretty quick in year three. If he's not good then it's, all right, we need a new guy. And then you start the whole thing over again. And coaches get fired in the midst of that. And GMs get fired in the midst of that. And we just keep going round and round and round and round until we finally get a good quarterback. Like a legitimately great quarterback. And that's my biggest fear with Allen right now. Is I don't think he's been that bad. In fact, I just said it. Like I think he's been fine. I think he's been better than last year. But my biggest worry is that me personally, and I don't know about you, I got a couple callers on hold, we'll hear what you got to say in a second, I'm no closer than I was at the beginning of the year to thinking Josh Allen is a legitimate franchise quarterback. 803-0550 is the phone number. Let me know if I'm being too harsh, it's very, it's, it's possible, it's definitely possible. Let's start with uh, Louie. Louie, you're on the nightcap, what's up? Hey, how are you? Good, how are you, man? Good, I like your show, I like your passion. Thanks, man. Um, I've been a Bills fan for 32 years. And I've seen the good, I've seen the bad, and it's somewhere in between. And I'm not trying to tell you what to do or think or how to think, but I think patience is a, a virtue in, in everything in life. Now, I'm going to explain what I, what, what I think where Josh Allen is, what the Bills should do, and I think where the Bills need to go in year three. Now, <clears throat> I think Josh Allen's played pretty good. I don't think he's played great by no, no measure, don't get me wrong. 
But I think right now, with everything they got, I'm not trying to paint any excuse, but right now, I think the Bills' identity truly right now, with the, what they have on their roster, should be a 50% run and a 50% pass, okay? You try to help the quarterback a little bit. I know he's been a little inaccurate over the last few weeks. I get it now. I think next year is a big year because next year I believe Brandon Bean is going to address the offense and get some playmakers on this football team. I don't mean to, you know. If he if he does do that, like I, I, I don't disagree with that. If, if Bean goes out and he adds a legitimate elite number one wide receiver, I'm going to leave a, a, a creak in the door open for me that that could change things in a big way. But my question to you would be, you said next year is a big year. Like, I... I'm at a point next year if I'm halfway through year three and it's still not going well. Yes. Like I, I, to me, I'm at pull the plug moment there because that's what are we forty games into that experiment at that point? Yeah. May I comment on that? Just, sure. Okay. You Go made a lot of good points when you started. Okay. But I'm going to just say something, and I respect Eric Wood tremendously as an ex football player and as a football analyst. And he painted a scenario way back when. I used to watch Jim Kelly even before he became a Buffalo Bill, the Houston Gamblers, okay? When he came to the NFL, he was awful. I mean, the first, I think, second year was like 2 and 14 or 3 and 13, something, something of that nature. He struggled, okay? I think Josh Allen right now is okay. I'm not saying he's a franchise quarterback or anything like that, but to me, personally, to me, twofold. One, he needs to have support, and the best way he support is support with a good running game. We have. The best rookie, and that's our third-round pick. I'm running back, okay? Give him more carries. Put Josh Allen in better situations, mm-hmm. and, and everything should be better. Now, next year, I truly believe Brandon Bean, the GM that he is, he's going to go off the receiver. He tried to get Antonio Brown. He had issues. We understand that. But the thing to me, if Brandon Bean does his job, and I think he will, this is not a complete Picture. It's not complete, complete roster here. Okay, we address the offense next year, and Josh Allen struggles, like you said, halfway through or whatever. We give him the benefit of the doubt, so to speak, and he struggles. Then, yes, I believe what you're saying. I personally feel right now, my gut feeling as a Bill for 33 years is the fact that I think he will blossom. He will take time. Yeah. Hey, hey, Mark. I actually I got to run here. I got a full phone lines here. I want to get some more guys here. But I, yeah, like I get it. I, you want to be hopeful, and there's reasons to think that it could happen. But that's a lot of ifs. Like I, I want to believe too that Brandon Bean's going to bring in an elite wide receiver. But he's had chances, and it hasn't happened. They could have had Odell Beckham. I, I don't want to always bring that up because it fires me up every time I think of it. The report that they were offered Odell Beckham by the Giants and weren't interested after going for Antonio Brown still boggles my mind. They had a chance to get that elite wide receiver. They didn't do it. So until it happens, I guess i got to say I'll believe it when I see it. Let's go to Cameron. Cameron, you're on the nutcap. What's up, man? Hi, how's it going? Um, quick thing, I mean, this, this GM and coach... This was supposed to be the revamped offense. We signed 16 new free agents for Josh on the offensive side of the ball, and it's got to be so frustrating for Dable to have these new weapons, Brown and Beasley especially, and have your guy, quote-unquote, not be able to hit a deep ball. I don't know how you game plan around that, but you know, you have Singletary, you have Gore, 
to gather those eight-man boxes and set up that big pass, and we just haven't hit it. I mean, between yeah. 10, 20 yards, we're good. You can make those bullet throws. We've seen a lot of good throws that way, but the big playability is non-existent, and teams know that. And I mean, that's why we struggle against the Eagles with that secondary, because the Eagles secondary didn't matter. Because we can't hit anything. We can't make them pay. You're right. I, I don't disagree. That's a good point, Cameron. Like The Eagles' secondary stinks. Everyone's throwing on them. They couldn't do it. And you're right. Like Some of these deep balls, like I mentioned it earlier, Andre Roberts, that one, he was open. This past week, Isaiah McKenzie was open. There was a play with John Brown earlier in the season. He was open. Like it, I don't want to completely blame the scheme because it seems like these guys are getting open vertically. At least to some extent. But... When the quarterback can't hit it, what does it matter? Let's go to Mark. Mark, you're on the nightcap. How's it going? Hi. To paraphrase the late, great Dennis Green, Josh Allen is who we thought he was. I, who did we think he was? Out of college. Well, anybody who looked at it objectively or reasonably, before we talked ourselves into 6'5", cannon arm, all that, his college career was spotty at best. Was a under sixty percent complete right. percentage at Wyoming. Really never lit it up at a smaller school. But again, we fell in love with um, all these uh, tools. But he's never really shown at Wyoming so far with the Bills that he's a great franchise quarterback. Now, I mean, honestly, I think he's almost out outpaced his expectations of what I would have had based on his college career. But again, everybody's looking at the tools all the time. Cannon arm, all this, but again, if yep. inaccurate, what good does it do? That's yeah. I mean, that, that's where I'm at, man. Like, thanks for the call. Like, yeah, I don't want to go back to the college career too much because I like. I think we should be evaluating him on what he's done in the league so far. Like, there's enough to chew on there, but I don't disagree. Like, that was always the biggest worry for me. I hated the pick at the beginning, mostly because of that. Like, there's just no evidence in NFL history ever. Of a guy that struggled in college, didn't put up big numbers in college, wasn't that good in college, to be frank, and then just showing up at the pro level and suddenly being this great guy, this great quarterback. There's no evidence that that's, there's no sample for that. But I didn't want to rule it out completely because he has a unique skill set. But that was always a worry for me. And I will say this, he's been better than I think a lot of people gave him credit for. I think a lot of people thought he was going to be an epic disaster. That he was going to be just a, an utter train wreck. And that's not that's not what we have here. Like, my biggest frustration is he's only just okay so far. But just okay is a lot better than a lot of people thought he was going to be, to be honest. A lot of the analytics guys, especially. And I, I consider myself, like, kind of on the fringes of being an analytics guy. Like, I read a lot about it, and I... I trust in it but I'm not like I'm not deep in the numbers but he's been better than than that crowd thought but that's not enough for me Larry Don Justin I see you guys on hold a couple other guys calling in right now stay there and we will get to you right after the break Josh Allen how how much like what's what's the leash like here I know it's early it's probably they're six and three a lot of people probably don't want to have this discussion but I think it needs to be had Anything needs to be had. Let me know what you think. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, 
and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. Deep ball, it helps because it eliminates four or five, six plays within a drive that you have to execute. Offensive football is execution football. You gotta block, you gotta throw, you gotta catch. And at the end of the day, when you have 10, 12 plays, those are hard to do on every single play. On this league, you're playing good defenses. We'll keep working at it. Again, it starts with me. That's Brian Dable, Bill's offensive coordinator, speaking on the struggles of the vertical passing game this season. I mean, he, I, I, he's doing what he has to do. He's a coach. He's covering... Uh, 90% of coaching answers is covering for somebody... Like At least like the tough questions. You're covering for somebody that's not doing their job. And flat out, Josh Allen's not doing his job on the vertical ball. That's it. That's it. That's what that comes down to. Those guys are getting open. So I think that's just at the end of it. But of course, he's not going to come around and say that. I get that. 8030550 is the phone number. We're talking some Josh Allen here. Inside, thankfully. It's freezing out. I went out to get a um, phone charger from my car right before the show started. And, you know, like when you, you just go outside for a second, you're like, oh, I don't need the jacket. Man, I should have took it. Like even just for, it, it's that cold. It's that cold where it's, you know, 20 seconds outside and you're shivering. You're freezing. So... Stay warm. Although I would assume anybody listening to this is inside, so you're probably already warm. 8030550 is the phone number. Let's go to Justin. Justin, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, nothing much. Yeah, I am. Uh, I was gonna grill some burgers outside, but uh, I wow. Mind, and I'm gonna do. A- did you wait? Did you do it? What's that? Did you do it? No, I'm. I changed my mind. I'm gonna do them in the cast iron skillet and toss them in the oven. I, I would. I would say this. It's. It's been done. I've seen. I've seen it been done. My dad used to do it a couple times. Like when it's really cold outside, it's. It's not. You gotta. You gotta layer up, but it can be done. Yeah. Well, the grill sits out here to the right, but I don't know. I think the burner's dying, and I just don't have the time or patience or want, want to stand out here and watch charcoal burn. But anyway, um, Josh Allen. So. I think we can all agree that one of Josh's biggest problems this year is obviously putting the ball on the ground. Um, yep. some, 11 fumbles. Yeah, some of these turnovers that he's had have been costly, and some have went our way. And I think, in my mind, that that's translating a little bit to the pass game and that he's – I think he's afraid to underthrow some of these deep balls for fear that he's going to get intercepted and – you know, he's going to be responsible for even more turnovers in a game. I think that's maybe somewhat why the vertical game might be suffering. I just think Josh is a little timid. I wish he could just shed it and let it go. I know it's easy to say as a fan because the second we say that and the second he lets it rip and then starts throwing interceptions, we're like, well, what are you doing? But 
Right. I don't know, man. He's. I think it's just the small things with him. He's got. He's a leader. The team trusts in him. The players get behind him. There is no. I, from what I can see or hear, animosity. I think people rally behind him. I think he's just got a little bit of a confidence issue in terms of his mechanics. I think he can get over that. I think this team will be fine. Hey, hey, thanks for the call, man. I, I don't, I don't want to walk all over that little bit of optimism there. Um, I do agree with the part about him not ha- being fully confident in his deep ball. In fact, I was remembering back to his comment at post game this past Sunday and. I thought it was pretty telling what he said about his his struggles with the uh, with the long ball. This is what Allen said just after the Cleveland game. If I could pinpoint it, I'd, I'd probably be hitting him. I don't know if I'm super anxious about underthrowing it and getting an interception, or I, I, I don't know. You know, the ball comes out and it feels good, and the ball just kind of sells and carries a little a little longer than I think. So it's something that I got to continue to work on. He he does know. He he says it there. Like he's trying to couch it a little bit. He knows that is what's happening. I think he's worried about throwing the interceptions and underthrowing it. Because honestly, that's what happened in the New England game. He underthrows Zay Jones, and man, the guy made no play on the ball. So imagine if that could have changed anything. If Zay Jones actually tried a little bit and tried to knock that ball out of the Patriots uh, players' hands, maybe everything's different since then. I'm not trying to pin this on Zay Jones, but holy cow. Um, That was such bad play. I think that's what's happening. I think he is worried about underthrowing. I think he's worried about the picks. I think that's what they're stu- they're ingraining that too much in him. There needs to be a happy medium between his reckless play from last season at times and the beginning of this year where he's throwing ducks over the middle. And he's throwing picks that are you're just scratching your head at like why are you throwing that? There needs to be a medium between that and what he's doing right now. Because he's not taking a lot of chances. And you're taking away what he does best when you're doing that. You, you got to just find the balance. And I think that's what they're struggling with the most right now. But that doesn't mean he has to ever find the balance. Just because maybe there is a spot there that this could work with. That doesn't mean he ever gets there. And that's my biggest issue. I, I don't like the thought that just because he got better in some areas, that means he's going to get better in all of them. You can't just assume that... He's going to continue to improve just because he's young and just because he's raw. That doesn't always happen. Cart, remember Cardell Jones? Remember when the Bills drafted him? I know it's different because it's like a fifth-round pick, but he was raw. He was this big athlete with a big arm, and it's like, yeah, developmental project. You work with him a couple of years, and he gets better and better and better, and maybe one day he'll play in the NFL. Well, guess what? The guy got like three, four years of development in the league, and he never got any better. Now he's in the XFL, playing with Tyree Jackson. So it doesn't always have to get better. And another point, real quick, before we keep going through calls here. A lot of people on Twitter, fair enough, I, I expected this point. Hey, they're 6-3. and three. We don't need to be having this conversation. You're right, we don't need to be having this conversation. I want to have this conversation, though. Because I'm worried about what they have at quarterback. And the biggest counterpoint is, they're 6-3. and three, And that he's got a winning record as a quarterback. Well, think back to 2017. Just They could make the playoffs this year. That does not mean the quarterback has to be locked in place, has to be completely solid for a long time just because you make the playoffs. Because guess what? Two years ago, they did make the playoffs, and Tyrod Taylor was 9-6 and six as a starter. 
They were 9-7 and seven on the year. Peterman had the one loss that he started against the Chargers. In fact, actually, that's wrong because uh, Peterman started against the Colts. So Tyrod was 8-6 and six that year. 8-6 and six as a starter. And no one had a thought about bringing him back. There wasn't even a conversation. So the record does not have to be tied to the quarterback. It's a point. It's a part of it. But it's not the end-all, be-all. The individual play is when you're judging whether he's going to stay in that position for a really long time, you got to forget about the record a little bit because they have an easy schedule this year and they have a great defense. And those are two things that don't really carry over year to year very much. When they have to play the NFC West next year, you saw two of those teams last night on Monday Night Football, the Seahawks and the 49ers. And then the other two teams are the Rams who've been really good the past couple years, made the Super Bowl last season, and then the Cardinals, who are showing a lot of good stuff on their offense this year. When you play that division next year, and the rest of your schedule is harder too because you're going to be higher in the standings and those matchups will be tougher between divisions, then what happens? Then how much does the record matter? Let's go to Don. Don, you're on the nightcap. What's up, man? Don, you there? Hey, Jody, what's up? Hey, what's up, man? I'm here. Hey, not much. Hey, I just wanted to uh, remind everybody on this fact that Josh Allen is what I'm saying, but, and the uh, coaches, but with, how many new guys are on that offense this year, and you expect them to gel like 100%? I don't think that you could run a company with that many new people and not make mistakes left and right. I mean, sometimes it's... Uh, you know, John Brown admits he didn't run the route right. And, you know, these guys, I think that they're all learning with these new guys and how to put things together. Thank God our defense has been strong for them. But there is no bigger in Bills like I've heard before. They're together. They know he's good. We, I think he's good. And I think the team's going to be good. But Don, 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 it, do, it doesn't always take that long. There are so many countless examples of quarterbacks who just plugged into places and they, they've never worked with the receiver before and it works. Like I think the chemistry part of that, that's just another excuse. we got, we got a lot of players that are new, though. Yeah, they do. Well, but The quantum backs, the receivers, the quarterbacks. That's a lot of new people, man. But, well, guess what? If they want to get better at those positions, then you're going to have more new people next year. And then do I have to make the same excuses next year when it's not working? Like, how long does that go? It's the NFL. There's turnover everywhere. Chemistry. Come on. He's missing open receivers. That's not chemistry. That's him being inaccurate. Let's go to Jonathan. What's up, man? You're on the nightcap. Hey, Joe. Um, first of all, you talk about people on the outside. I'm outside walking my dog, but anyhow, on my point about the Bills, um, Josh Allen, um, I do think the Bills should draft a quarterback next year. I'm not giving up on Josh Allen. I partially agree that he needs better weapons around him, but um, I, I look at the Packers, how they drafted Brian Brown while they were developing Aaron Rodgers. I do want to see the Bills get a backup plan and draft, and draft a quarterback to um, get prepared just in case Allen doesn't pan out. Yeah, I mean... I like the idea of doing that every year. Thanks for the call, man. I like the idea of doing that every year. It just doesn't happen, though. It's not going to happen. They're not going to draft a guy. They have Barkley under contract. That's going to be the problem. That's going to be the plan. 
They don't have a backup plan for Allen. I don't think they're going to get one until they know for sure it's not going to work. And even I wouldn't tell you. I'm, I'm not sounding very optimistic at all about him tonight, but I'm not going to tell you that it's, it's set in stone, that he's not going to be great. I'm heavily leaning towards he won't, but I don't think they make a decision like that. I don't. I think they their cards are in. like or Their chips, all of their chips are at the middle of the table. It's rare that a regime gets a second crack at a quarterback, a franchise quarterback. Maybe this one will. Maybe this would be the one. Because they made the playoffs the first year. They're probably going to make the playoffs this year. And if next year goes by, let's say they miss next year with a tougher schedule and the offense is still struggling. Well, then what kind of resume do McDermott and Bean have? They have two playoff seasons in four years. And honestly, I don't even know if I have to go further than that. I think that buys you another crack at this thing. So... Yeah, maybe they do go for a plan B at some point, but I don't think we're close to that. I really don't. I think we have to continue to judge what Allen is um, as they continue to put him on the field in front of us. I think that's just that he's the only part of the conversation right now. I tweeted out before the show that like I'm gonna start thinking about like potential replacements after a few more bad games, but I'm anticipating that's gonna take the rest of the season. Like I'm probably not thinking about that until the end of the season. And even then it's gonna be thinking about like the end of next year. So there's a lot of what-ifs in play here, and it's a lot of down-the-road type of stuff, but it's just it's not going great. It's not going great. They're bottom, they're like bottom six or seven in almost every passing stat. That's the same old, same old. And that wasn't supposed to happen when you trade how many draft picks to get into the top ten to pick a quarterback. That's not supposed to happen. It does happen, but it's not supposed to. Let's go to who's next here. Mike. Mike, you're on the nightcap. How's it going, man? Hey, Joe. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Hey, good. Hey, listen. Um, I know you are still, you know, giving us a very good chance of making the playoffs, but I'm getting very nervous. Again, uh, uh, talking about Josh Allen, right? Um, I, I feel like I don't know if he's able to go through even all of his progressions because I think what I see is, you know, I think it's all predetermined what, where he wants to go with the ball before the snap. Uh, and uh, because I see him throwing it a double coverage a lot, uh, even, I know he's not making the same mistake. He's almost throwing it away, but I still feel like he's not able to find like one-on-one matchups or like you know like a quick hot read or whatever. He's not doing that. And also, um, you know, last three years this regime, you know, they did they, they had a draft, you know, they, for three years. Can you give me a like a good offensive player that we drafted that that is actually like you know it's recognized across the league by the you know. And, and the second thing is, I know we say we have an elite defense, but, you know, I, I look at this season, they have not stopped any team except for the Dolphins on a one-yard line at one point. And, again, it's Dolphins, right? But every other time, it, you know, people have gone, like other teams have gone on a long, um, you know, drive. Like, a, a lot, you know, example, Cleveland last week, 83 yards. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, McDermott has no answers, uh, you know. Uh, to you know, kind of you know, get a blitz on or something, but he, he we just don't seem to find any answer. So I, I know we say we have a great defense, but I, I really don't think yeah. do, to be honest. So I just want to get to get your thoughts. On sure, that. Mike. Thanks for the call. And I didn't call them an elite defense. I think I maybe have in the past this season because there have been points where this did look like an elite defense. Um, but I did call them a great defense. I think there's a difference there. It's not a huge difference, but I think there is a difference. And yes, like their run defense has been suspect the past couple of weeks, but it's hard for me to not call them a great defense when they've allowed over 20 points one time. That's it. 
the entire season. Philly. It's the only game. So, yeah, I think it's fair to call them a great defense. And he had a lot to chew on there. The other thing you mentioned about like them drafting offensive players, they have not drafted like a star. No. It has like name recognition around the league. Deion Dawkins, they drafted in the second round. That looks like their best pick on offense so far. Zay Jones was a total bust as a pick. What else? Singletary looks nice. I'm intrigued with that. I think he'll be the guy. But that might even just be fantasy football. Fantasy football tends to inflate the stardom of running backs a lot. And like in the fantasy football community, I'll tell you, Devin Singletary's a name. Like People know his name. Um, but league-wide, and like the casual fan, I don't think, knows him. So, no, like you make a point. They have not really, but they really even tried to draft a lot of blue chip offensive players. They're all second and third round picks. They haven't done it on offense yet, except for the quarterback, which I'm, I know that counts. But this 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 next coming draft will be interesting. It's so far off though. Um, we have plenty of time to get to that. Obviously, eight hundred three hundred five fifty is the phone number. A lot to chew on here. Uh, let me know what you think on this whole conversation, Josh Allen, and uh, just how it's going. How it's going through six, 17 starts um, in the league. Get the exact number there. 20 starts. 20 starts for Josh Allen. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Hanging out for about another hour here on a Tuesday night on WGR. Just get right back to it. Let's keep rolling through calls here. We're talking Josh Allen here. I'm sure, we'll do plenty of that in the coming years. 8030550 is the phone number. Jamie, you're on the nightcap. What's up, man? How you doing, Jody? Good, man. What's up? Not much. I love your show. I just want to get a few a quick point out there, real quick. Um, Josh Allen. And some of the statistics might not back this up, but um, it's more of an eye test for me. Last year, when he came back into the game off that elbow injury that he had, I was starting to really get hope. He played well. He was hitting Robert Foster on the deep passes, Isaiah McKenzie on the deep passes. And overall, that Miami game to close out last year, he was really good. This year, I see more of a digression in him. Like, he's missing every single deep throw, basically, he's throwing. And even some of the short passes are behind his receivers. Simple third and three, simple third and sixes are just not getting complete this year. Like I see a totally different quarterback almost this year compared to as of compared to last year. I see a totally different quarterback, but is it a significantly better quarterback? Because it feels like the stuff he was good at last year, he no longer can do. I agree with you there. And uh, but here's my other point. Um, it looks like in the offseason and all that, he worked to get his accuracy yep. on the short game better. Now, do you think that had an effect, it's having a negative effect on his deep passing game this year? I, I wonder that. <sighs> Thanks for the call, man. I, I don't I don't know how to explain the deep ball. I think what Allen's explanation is he's just nervous about throwing picks. Like, I don't think that his him being more accurate on short stuff would make him less accurate on the deep ball. I know that's how it's worked out this year, but I I feel like that's partially a coincidence. Cause I don't think those two things should be correlated like that. And I'm gonna let it I'm gonna let it go that you called me Jody. It happens. Joe DiBiase. The nickname Sneaky Joe coming along actually really helped that. That's why I kinda like I really like that nickname because of that. But it's alright, it happens. 
I'll let it go. Let's go to Kevin. Kevin, what's up, man? You're on the nightcap. Hey, how you doing? Good. What's up? Hey, um, I think we're beating up Josh Allen too much here. Um, I think part of the problem is your offensive coordinator. For instance, in the second half, we have a first down. We get a penalty, so now it's first and 15. We get another penalty. Now it's first and 25. So what happens? Josh comes out. He completes the pass for six yards. Second down, he completes the pass for 16 yards. Now it's third and three. And you know what we do? We whip the ball way down the field like we need a home run at that time. I think that was a stupid call. Well, that that was not. I don't think that's Dable though. Like if you watch that play over, Cole Beasley's wide open on the right side. He's not wide open, but he's open on the right side, and Allen's the one who decides to throw it deep there. All right. So if it's that call, but I mean, if it's his choice, he chooses to throw deep. Yeah, then he's making a mistake. Mm -hmm. But then at the end of the game here, yeah, expecting the defense to hold, they didn't, and so Cleveland scores. And the defense was stout. They played an excellent game. It was just that last drive that really killed us because in the first half they stopped Cleveland seven times on the one-yard line. So hats off to them. But the last two minutes really got me because with 52 seconds left, we passed to Singletary. Singletary catches the ball. He throws the ball back to Josh Allen when he should be throwing it back to the referee. They do a huddle. You're not trying to win the game here. These guys go into slow motion here. When they should be trying to get the first down, they need well, only third and four. Kevin, this is, isn't that part of the problem, though? Like, your coaching staff trusts their kicker more than their quarterback, and I, I know that it shouldn't be that way, but, like, isn't that kind of significant if, if they don't have that much trust in their quarterback? And my trust wasn't even in the kicker at that time. My trust would have been more in Allen doing a sweep, a run, a screen pass, yeah. a short pass to get the first down and don't eat all that clock up but manage to – clock wisely like Seattle did last night against the 49ers. <laughs> Kevin, I think we agree. Like, we agree. But my problem is the coaching staff I don't think does. Or at least not in that moment. Like, they were going to the kicker. They were not playing uber-aggressive there. And part of that, I think, is what you think of your quarterback. They ver- that very well could be the case. And... I don't know, maybe that's a sign that they're not letting him loose, but that could also be a sign they don't trust him to let him loose because they don't actually think he's capable of it. Like, they tried to do that at the beginning of the season. And he did okay at it, but they let him loose. That happened at the beginning of the year, and I want them to keep doing it, but I don't know where you go from here. It's going to be really interesting to see how they use him going forward. We'll keep rolling through calls, so let me know what you think. 803-0550, it's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi. Hope you come back for hour number two here on WGR. Helping you unwind after a long day of work. I think he's kind of a boob. Kent really taking the day south as a person. Kent go out there and be a moron. It doesn't work like that. The Nightcap. We're eating their food. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Joe DiBiase. Someone called me Jody in the last segment, so i got to make sure to space it out a little bit. It's a problem I have. And I don't really want to call myself Sneaky Joe. I like the nickname, but I don't know. If you have a nickname, do you ever refer yourself, refer to yourself as that? Like, I'm not going to go around introducing myself. Hey, I'm Sneaky Joe. I'm not going to do that. It's fine if you call me it. In fact, I like it. But... You can't, you can't introduce yourself as that, I think. I don't know, maybe. It's a radio nickname. 
Bulldog calls himself Bulldog. Maybe I should just do it. Let's go back to the phone lines. We're going to hear from our interview of the day in a few minutes. Kyle Brandt of NFL Network was on One Bills Live earlier today, so we'll get to that. But first, let's keep going through some calls here. 803-0550 is the phone number. Uh, before actually we do that, I have an interesting Twitter poll that I got up that I'm interested to see people's uh, thoughts on because I think this pertains to what we've been talking about. Josh Allen's at 20 starts. By the way, at SneakyJoeWGR on Twitter. Josh Allen's at 20 starts. How many before you think you know what he is? Because I've told you tonight, 27 is my number. I think by the end of this year, I have a pretty good idea of what he is. Pretty good. I'm leaving the the door cracked open in case he could get a lot better, because you're hopeful. But for the most part, I think I know what he is after 27 starts. So that's one option. But already there is an option. 27, which is the end of the season, is an option. 28 games through 35 games is an option. That's basically the first half of next year. And then over 35 starts is also an option. So let me know what you think. Let's go to Aaron in Chicago. Aaron, what's up, man? You're on the nightcap. Hey, Sneaky Joe. How are you? Good, man. What's up? Good, brother. Hey, listen, um, as far as it goes with the Josh Allen, I think one of the issues that we have or that exists is that they're trying to treat, turn him into something that he's not, which is into a game manager, right? Don't make a mistake. Yep. Don't cause the team a turnover. And they're trying to make a game manager – and that guy is not wired that way in any way, shape, or form. I mean, he is the prototypical gunslinger if ever there was one. And when you try to change a guy's psyche like that, it just it blows up in your face every time. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. I think I agree with you there. And I would like to see them not middle it, but I, I kind of mentioned this last hour. I want to see them be somewhere between what he was last year and what he is this season. And... I don't know if they're trying to make him into a game manager, if he's in part doing it himself because he doesn't want to turn over the football as much. Um, But the problem with that is you had that. You had Tyrod was basically the perfect game manager in, in a sense. He could run. He could throw it to guys when they were open. He was never going to throw a guy open, though. He was not going to turn the football over. At a historic rate. The lowest interception percentage in history of the league. Allen does all of those things, but he does turn the ball over a lot more than Tyrod did. So, what have I really gained? Now, I will give Allen this. I think Allen will throw guys open at times. And I, Tyrod almost never did that. So, he has that going for him, but it's not enough. It's not enough to warrant yet where they picked him. And that is maybe my biggest concern. It's, it's The price should matter. The price you paid should matter. 803 is the phone number. Uh, quick uh, results on the poll I put up that I just mentioned. Josh Allen's at 20 starts. How many before you think you know what he is? The leader in the clubhouse right now is 28 to 35 starts, which is basically the first half of next season. Um, that's at 49%. After that, 24% say you're already there, which even I'm not there. Uh, 27 or 27 uh, was one of the options. That's the end of this season. Uh, that's 21%, and then 5% say over 35 so let me know what you think, at SneakyJoeWGR on Twitter. Now it's time, though, for our interview of the day. Kyle Brandt from Good Morning Football was on One Bills Live, a man who's very optimistic about the team. Um, he talks some bills here and as well uh, also some other stuff around the league, including last night's fiasco in uh, San Francisco, a great game between the Seahawks and 49ers. So here is Kyle Brandt with Tasker and Murph earlier today. 
John Murphy and Steve Tasker. And on this Tuesday afternoon, our regular Tuesday guest standing by with us. Have him on the line right now. The host of Good Morning Football on NFL Network, 7 a.m. on weekdays. We're happy to have Kyle Brandt on the line with us. Kyle, watch the show for a while today. You guys are killing it. Love that show. Thank you so much, and I'd love to be on with you guys. The plot thickens with the yeah. 2019 Buffalo Bills. Oh, yeah, before question. we get into the Bills, I've got to ask you, you know, that your show's uh, Good Morning Football is doing so well, you're getting asked to do a lot of extracurricular stuff. You took a trip to the West Coast uh, on the spur of the moment this last weekend? Yeah, all right, this weekend got absolutely nuts. Quick <laughs> timeline. You guys would appreciate this. Friday night, uh, my wife and I got to go to the Mount Olympus of radio, which was the 2019 Radio Hall of Fame induction ceremony in Manhattan. I went, of course, because I was a producer for Jim Rome for years and years and years. He invited me and it was fantastic. I know, and there's you're showing a picture to your viewers, of course, of Romy and me. And I know that Jim's always been real big in Buffalo and Buffalo's been good to him. And there was years ago and he showed up in a white Ford Bronco and everybody had some laughs about it. Um, but I will say for anybody who loves radio, you would not believe this Hall of Fame class, this witness, this class I got to witness. You see the, the guys who get the yellow jackets every year. Mm -hmm. The class that I saw go in on this particular night was Rome, uh, John Tesh of Round Ball Rock fame. Yeah. Ryan Seacrest went in. Wow. And then, you know, who closed the show? Dr. Ruth, who's in her wow. 90s and wow. still has the fastball. I'm telling you, Murph, <laughs> she's up there doling out. R-rated advice to the entire room, and she's got him in the palm of her hand. A tiny little woman, but a fireball and a Hall of Famer. It was the greatest people watching I've ever seen. Every radio fan should get to witness it. But, Tass, to answer your question, in the middle of the night, I get a phone call saying, could you be on a flight 7 a.m. the next day to L.A.? We need you to be part of our call for this wild boxing match at Staples Center. This was not uh, Ward Gotti. This was not even Titans, Tyson Lewis. This was two of these maniac YouTubers, Logan Paul versus a guy named KSI. And I got the invite at the last second. I did not know much about them. Um, they have each about, I don't know, 30 million Instagram followers, and they're massive for the young people. So I, basically what I'm saying is, guys, about 12 hours after I was listening to John Tesh's acceptance speech, I was in front of Staples Center under the Magic Johnson statue talking about this YouTube maniac and whether or not he's going to knock somebody out tonight. It was really a hell of a life. That's a great oh, that's weekend. Great. That's a, yeah, you're living the you're living your best life, Kyle. It's nice for us. That's what they say, us, Old I guys, so. we're sitting here. I didn't know who the people I was talking to. But I did my best. Yeah, yeah. trying to keep up. Well, Murph and I are sitting here in Buffalo in a foot of snow, think, thinking about yeah. our frustrating loss to the Browns. Uh, let me just say, say this. Are the are the Bills a springboard for the Browns to turn it around? Did you see something different than you thought you'd see from the Browns? Well, here's what I saw. And, and I am I remember, guys, maybe a month ago, I was on with you guys, and I had said something about, wow, the Bills are off to this great start. This, this could be a 10-win Bills team. And I got jumped by your listeners all over Twitter for insulting this yeah, Bills right. team. They were saying only 10 wins. How dare you, Brandt? Are you not paying attention? Here's the thing. A fool's errand every year is saying, well, let's look at the rest of the schedule. That's a win. That's a win. Maybe lost. That's a win. You can never count on that, ever, because you start to think, you look at the schedule, we're going to win 12 or 13 games. It doesn't work out that way. You lose to the Browns. God forbid you lose to the suddenly red-hot Miami Dolphins. Never go by that. So in answer to your question, you didn't think the Browns, who had nothing going for them, lead in the league in turnovers, can't win. Yeah, all of a sudden they knock off the Bills. The Browns are alive. There's really very few people 
who are DOA in the AFC. It's wide open. So there's going to be people nipping at the heels for the Buffalo Bills, and certainly the Browns are one of them. With Tom Brandt from uh, NFL Network, the host of Good Morning Football. Let's get you involved in our Twitter poll we've got for Bills fans tuned in to, to us today, Kyle. What's the best direction forward? for the Buffalo offense. Is it run more with uh, Devin Singletary? Is it let Josh Allen uh, throw it and, you know, let him loose? Should they uh, just continue to try to develop and find uh, uh, talent in the passing game, the options in the passing game, or something else? What do you think the best path forward is for the Bills offensively? Look, at some point, you got to see if Josh Allen can swim. You know, I, I, did a, I did a show a couple of days ago after the, after the loss, and this is the state of the Buffalo Bills right now. This host asked me, and it was in Canada, of all places, you would think they would understand Bill's football. The question was, point blank, is Josh Allen a franchise quarterback or not? And I said, come on. <laughs> you know, Steve, something you and I were talking about before we went on the air is, let's pump the brakes with perspective just a little bit. We, this is a second-year guy who's leading a team with a very good record, who is doing some excellent things, and I'm already getting asked, is he the answer at quarterback? Yes, he's the answer at quarterback. But there's still some questions. And the question is, look, I said it last night. We watched Jimmy Garoppolo in that Monday night in that Monday night game against Seattle. Does Jimmy Garoppolo have the it? Does he have can he convert a third and down in a big situation? Does he have the dog in him? I feel like Josh Allen, respectfully to him, is still got he's still the puppy. And we don't know. And the defense is good and they do do good things. I just want to see it sooner or later because the story of this season, bar none for the 2019 Bills, was going to be Josh Allen grew up. Or he kind of stayed where he was. So I want to see. I, I want to push him in the water and see if he can swim. It's time. Yeah, that's what a lot of people are saying. And they had reeled him in a little bit because he was throwing all the crazy interceptions in the first half of the season. Yes. And now maybe the pendulum. The thought is perhaps the pendulum has swung too far the other way, and they're stifling this guy who's got all this talent. Uh, and I don't know what the balance would look like. What do you think that balance is going to look like? Uh, if they can find it and it's are the pieces in place for that to even manifest itself it could be I mean they, they need more from him listen they, the Bills do not have Dalvin Cook they got some good players and they can make some plays there's no Dalvin Cook there 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 is no no Saquon uh, it's never going to be all of a sudden while we're churning out 180 yards a game I don't think so I want to see from him and the balance look I'm trying not to live in the past, but I remember on the day that I was on with you guys and it was the trade deadline day and we were counting down the hours and half hour, 20 minutes. And it'd be really nice if they could get some kind of weapon because I don't know if this offense can win a playoff game. They didn't. And I'm still not convinced. It's listen. And if you don't think this game this weekend is scary against Miami, a couple of things, Miami, very difficult place to play. Nobody knows better than Bill's fans that Ryan Fitzpatrick, while flawed, fears nothing, is completely fearless, and can beat anyone on a given day. So I tend to agree with you, Steve, in that, okay, you lose to the Browns. Things are going well, though. It's all right. The defense is good. If you lose to Miami, the wheels are off. I mean, they really are. <laughs> because now you got teams like the Steelers who are coming for wild cards. you got a bunch of teams that are getting hot at the right time. This is a big, big game against a team that everybody thought was going to try to lose on purpose and has suddenly won two games in a row. And Kyle, one of the points that Steve has made in the last uh, well, a couple of days here on the show is that be yeah. uh, you know, the Bills' defense is good, really good. But their margin, because of their offensive shortcomings, their margin of, uh, 
of victory is small. They can't they can't miss two field goals in a game and, and expect to win. Yeah. They can't have a, a rough third down play, uh, you know, before a 53-yard field goal and, and expect to win, right? They're they just not good enough yet. To, they have that margin that's very small if they're going to win games, it seems. It is. And, you know, I, I know that the defense, that they don't give up a lot of points. What worries me a little bit is that I feel like they take body blows against the run games. I mean, I look at the Philadelphia game, they got gashed. And I look at this last week when Nick Chubb's running all over him. That, to me, is a big-time Sean McDermott problem. But it's wheelhouse for him. I mean, that's why he has that job. He should be able to stop that. So it's a little concerning because as you get into this November, December football, there's some teams that really run the ball well. And, look, you give up 17, 18 points, but you give up 190 yards rushing. I feel like most of the time they're going to lose. And I will just say this, guys. I don't know where your listeners come out or where the local fans feel. I'm putting out an APP for Ed Oliver. I I really, really would like to see him on the field more, making some plays. I don't know the the young man very well, but I know with where they drafted him. It's these types of games where, man, it'd be nice if we had one more sack of Baker Mayfield to seal this thing. And I'd love to see him out there. I just, I I don't know. I think we're we're at, Kyle, see if you agree. This, the Bills team right now is like your family member. It's your aunt who always gives you the great birthday present, but you really don't want to put your arms around her, you know? You always yeah, you love that. her to death, but you know, yeah, sure. She's got uh, she's got lipstick on her teeth. Right. And she goes in for a big kiss, and you know what the problem is? Is that birthday present? It's it's usually a sweater or yeah. something, so it's really disappointing. <laughs> you got to just trust it. You got to tell her what you want, so she gets you the Nintendo. But Until still, then, yeah. I totally get it. But that's it. This team is really this is what you're going to struggle to win games. You're winning a lot of games. You're a tough team to beat. You're six and three. You're sitting really good in the first half of the season. Bills fans, really, you just got to be ready to hug that. You, that's going to be who you are, and it's going to be a question. Can they catch lightning in a bottle on any given Sunday and beat a really good team or a couple of really good teams down the stretch, right? Yes, and 100%, because they're not getting hugged this week. This is the week that the national media is starting to say, all right, the Bills are fake tough guys. They don't really have it. We've had conversations this morning that, okay, they have a nice record. Who have they beaten? Tell me, point to their quality win because right. they beat the Titans, not these Tannehill Titans, the, the Mariota Titans they right. beat. And other than that, you guys know this. It's not terribly glistening. It doesn't matter. The record is what, they, what it is. But it comes a matter of, like, how. never mind how many wins they have. How good are they? Right. I honestly don't know. And as a guy who's gone on our show and saying the Bills are going to the playoffs, the Bills are going to the playoffs, I'm starting to take some heat this week. Yeah, you got yeah. some skin in yeah. the game. Yeah, we like that. Right. You yeah. got skin I in know. the game here. Yeah. You do. <laughs> you do. Kyle Brand is with us from NFL Network. Let's talk about, you mentioned it, Buffalo's opponents, Miami Dolphins. In a month, they were here a month ago. In a month, they've gone from kind of a disgrace of the NFL, like how could you tank, yeah. to a team that's like, look at these plucky little Dolphins. They're not tanking, right? They've won a couple of games in the last month. But the last time they were here, they were sort of, you know, everybody's, uh, it, they were disgraceful as far as their approach to the season. Well, look, they finally said, we can't play Josh Rosen. Fitzpatrick is going to be better than him, as he's been better than many, many young quarterbacks he's on the roster with. And look, it's a fascinating thing going on with them. It looked really clear at the beginning of the season when they're trading Minka Fitzpatrick and they're running out Josh Rosen that, all right, listen, cards on the table. We're going to take our 2-14 and and go get our pick. I just think the issue with them is if you watch the game, Brian Flores is out for blood. Like, he has this sort of not-on-my-watch thing. I'm tired of this. I don't care what they're doing upstairs. I come from the Patriots. I come here to win. And I feel like he's extremely contagious on the team. 
And there's nothing more dangerous, guys, than a team no one believes in that starts to string a couple wins together. It's the it's the plot line of every Disney movie of all time, the ragtag bunch of misfits who all of a sudden <laughs> start to believe. And they do believe right now. Because if the Miami Dolphins beat the Buffalo Bills, it's one of the big stories in the league right now that the so-called tankers have won three in a row. I think it's a really, really dangerous game for Buffalo. Because I'll say it again, Ryan Fitzpatrick's never going to the Hall of Fame but he does not give a damn. He is completely fearless, and I know he will leave it all out there. So that defense, they better be ready. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because at, th- at this point in the AFC, there's a ton of teams that are just hitting their stride, and then you've got teams that are like, well, I don't know. Um, everything's up for grabs. I mean, this the game we saw last night in the, in the NFC, which is, by the way, what a gauntlet of a division that's turning out to amazing. be this year. It's really amazing. And it's amazing, too, the Arizona Cardinals have played as well as they have in that division with the Rams, the Seahawks, and the Niners playing as well as they are. That game last night was – I mean, it's a heavyweight division out there. That game last night was really fun. And I've had people – the question was, is that better than the Chiefs-Rams game from last year? I don't – I'm not going to go that far. But, man, it was a really good game last last night for a division division rivals. No, I'm, I'm giving it what I call the GOATY Award, G-O-T-Y, the Game of the Year Award. And the right. GOATY goes to Niners Seahawks. That game was unbelievable. I mean, obviously, you got overtime. You got Russell Wilson MVP ramifications. Do the Niners really have it? There was a bunch of sacks, turnovers, uh, two defensive scores. This one was absolute football catnip. And, and people on the East Coast who couldn't stay up for it, you woke up this morning. It, it was I mean, the game was completely intoxicated. It was crazy. There was a point where Russell Wilson fumbled, his lineman picked it up and ran with it, and then he fumbled, and then the Niners housed it. It's, I, I think it's, these are the two teams that could be in the NFC title game playing at their best football. It was fantastic. Yeah, I agree with you. It was really fun to watch. I, and, and, it was, uh, and, and I know this, too. Is when I used to play and you'd watch these teams and even watch yourself, the teams, whoever it is, even if it's – teams that are winless they always look more talented when they play under the lights on a Monday night and I, that true. game last night looked really shiny and looked like a great toy everybody wishes they had in their own backyard it's true and, and it's you know it's funny because the greatest toy in that game was Russell Wilson and it's interesting because you know he's been kind of leading the pace in this MVP conversation and did he win it last night did he seal it I actually do not think so at all because you know, he, Russell Wilson won the game and knocked off an undefeated team. But the play where he throws the interception in overtime, that's not an MVP play. I mean, he completely blew it. That was unbelievably uncharacteristic. It was his only second interception all year. But, I mean, it was, that's an F-minus play that if the Niners had a better kicker, they win that game. So, sure, he won, and it's, Russell was fantastic. But that's a glaring, glaring mistake. Put it this way. The second he threw that interception – it was almost like Lamar Jackson is the one who picked it off because it is now a two-man race, and I do not think last night Russ has sealed it despite the win. You know, it, you bring up an interesting point. I read somebody tweeted this out today, Kyle, about they can't recall a year when there was so much discussion about who the MVP might be this early. I mean, we're not even in December yet, and yeah, Lamar Jackson deserves mention, Russell Wilson, but I never recall people caring that much until you got deep into the season. Is there something going on? Is it because they're high-profile quarterbacks? I think you're, you're dead on. It's, it's a really intriguing one because, you know, there's so many years where over the past couple of decades where we all know it's going to be Peyton Manning or we all know it's going to be Rodgers or Favre or there's a front runner. It's a really interesting group because obviously you have Ross and you have Lamar, but there's this huge faction uh, uh, for Christian McCaffrey 
There's even love for Kirk Cousins if you start to look at his numbers. You know, Rodgers could always heat up. It is really, really wide open, which I think it's fun. And I'll say this, too. I think it's wide open for Coach of the Year, too, because you not only have what Sean Payton did, barring this last week, but he starts winning without Drew Brees. Frank Reich, despite a setback, he's gone the back of the pack. And now there's a lot of love for John Gruden, who has coached the Raiders into relevancy despite all the nonsense with Antonio Brown and the team leaving and everything. I mean, that the coach of the year is wide open. I think that they... MVP is two guys with a few other guys right behind him. It's awesome. It's great fodder. Yeah, yeah. It's been fun to watch. It's been an exciting year. I, I what do you think is uh, going forward? Uh, who do you think is going to uh, emerge out of the AFC? Mm-hmm. I mean, because if there's somebody who's been down and been out, or who's climbing back into yeah. it? Do you think it's so exciting in the AFC, Steve? Because I really think that come week 17, when we're at the end of December. I think some crazy stuff is going to have happened. Like our minds are going to be blown that this is this team got in. I'm, I'm talking shades of of Andy Dalton throwing the Buffalo Bills into the playoff on the last play of the last game. They put it this way: you know, there's some teams that are going to be in the mix one way or another. You know, the Texans for sure, obviously the Patriots. But look, there's teams like the Raiders, the Steelers, who are red hot, and Mike Tomlin has never finished sub 500 and have an unbelievable defense. And there's going to be some weird ones, okay? Jacksonville now, you have no idea what to expect from him because Nick Foles is in. I will go to my grave never counting out the Chargers because they always get hot in the last month. The Titans, you know this, you can bet on it. In week 17, they're always either 7-8 and eight or 8-7. Eight and seven. It's like law. And then you have some outliers too. So the NFC, they got alphas. They got five or six great teams. The AFC has the Patriots, Baltimore, and then a couple of wild ones, including Kansas City, who you thought were going to have home field advantage, and now they're chasing their tail and can't win a game. So as much as the NFC is probably better, the AFC is way more entertaining. It took you a while to get to Kansas City. I'm surprised by that, Kyle. I mean, I know they've lost a couple, lost to Tennessee, but, uh, boy, they're still loaded, right, on offense especially? It's telling, Murph, I think, because normally you just set them aside and say, well, they're Kansas City. They got Mahomes. They'll be there. Right. They got issues. And it's an unbelievably frustrating feeling. It's kind of the reverse of what maybe Bills fans feel in that, well, we got this really good defense, but we God, we just got to get this offense together and score some points. Patrick Mahomes was on the field against the Titans, the Titans guys, after having slid his kneecap back into place a few weeks earlier, and he's chucking for 400-some yards, and I don't even know how many touchdowns, and they lose. So it's like, it's almost like you can't just jump past and highlight your way to the playoffs when your defense is that bad. It's an incredible thing that the Chiefs fans have gone through this for years. We have the golden goose now with Patrick Mahomes, and we can't make a tackle. Patrick Mahomes can throw no-look passes for 800 yards, and they'll go one and done in the playoffs if they can't <laughs> tackle like this. So they are very much down from the, from the ranks of the elite, and yeah. they're extremely beatable. They've lost four or six games. Now, if, if Mahomes... I don't know how good he looked last year. I didn't watch a lot of the Chiefs game, but he was, you know, he's certainly no. not 100%. If he does get to 100% by the end of the year there in the playoffs, does that change things for your opinion about the Chiefs? I mean, he wasn't 100%, and they almost still beat the Tennessee Titans on the road. If he gets to 100%, does that change everything? Not unless he starts making tackles, Steve. Yeah, I just okay. don't see it. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's listen, there's a lot of momentum right now that – Never mind the playoffs. Could the Raiders actually right. chase and catch the Chiefs? Mahomes, 
they're going to lose games, the Chiefs, 38 to 35. And Mahomes is going to be brilliant and blow everybody away, and they're still going to lose. They're getting field goals blocked. They're having Derrick Henry run all over them. And this is not new. We have seen this right. before. They don't even need the defense to be great. If they could just be average, they'll win games. But they've been poor. And right now, as much as I love Chiefs fans and the Red Sea and all that, they have huge problems, and they don't scare anybody. Kyle, we're counting on you not to let that Good Morning Football crew be attracted to shiny objects. The Bills are still here, still twice as many wins as losses. Don't let them get distracted now. <laughs> I can promise you, Marv, that I will keep loyalty and attention on the Bills, and I will promise you, Steve, that I'm going to go hug my aunt right now. Well, go bear hug. There you go. No guys. matter who she Big is. Bear hug. <laughs> Thanks, Kyle. Thanks, Appreciate Kyle. It. Thanks. Kyle Brand, host of Good Morning Football on NFL Network. You can catch it at 7 a.m. weekdays. Must see viewing, and that changed really. We we started watching that. I want to say this season every yeah. day now, right? Yeah, it's it's good, and they, they play go, the replay all morning. It's great. Yeah, and they. There he is, Kyle Brandt with Tasker and Murph earlier today on One Bills Live. We'll take a timeout now. We'll get back to our conversation on uh, Josh Allen a little bit, but I do want to also touch on the Colin Kaepernick news from today that he's going to be working out for NFL teams and um, maybe is a step closer to being in the league. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi. 803-0550 is the phone number here on WGR. But they're not that good. They're not. They can just walk out on the field and people are going to lay down for them. I mean, they did lose to a team that was, what, 2-6 and six last week? And I get it. Cleveland is underperformed and they're talented and they were at home. But, my gosh, the Buffalo Bills, if they have designs on making the playoffs, number one, but doing damage in the playoffs, that's a game they should win. Armando Selguero on with Chauvin the Bulldog earlier, Radio.com insider for the Miami Dolphins. I mean, I'm a little worried. One caller earlier mentioned how, hey, I'm not sure. I'm not 100% confident that they win these games that they should win. I'm kind of there. Miami, Denver, the Jets. They've really only got three games left that I would say they should win. That gets you to nine. You need to get to at least 10 or 11 probably this year. Um, actually, that might not be the case, but you'd like to get to 10 or 11. So you got to win one of the other ones between Dallas, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, New England. If you win those three games, you should win. And after losing to Cleveland, I kind of echo that. Like, I think I'm a little worried if they lose to Miami. I mean, we already sound pretty negative tonight, but it's mostly about the quarterback. Um, what does it sound like Monday if they lose to Miami? I don't even know how to concept what it would sound like. Actually, I do, because it's happened. Same old Bills. It would be that show. So, hopefully that doesn't happen. The Bills are a 5.5 point favorite on the road. Let's just think about that for a second. Miami stinks, yes. They're a little dangerous right now. They beat the Colts last week. But, um, yeah, how confident are we that the Bills are going to win these games? They should. They should beat Denver at home, too. Absolutely. 8030550 is the phone number. Um, quick update before we get to the back to the phone lines. 8030550. Um, on the uh, the Josh Allen poll that I put up, he's at 20 starts. How many before you think you know what he is? 42% say between 28 and 35 starts, which would be somewhere in the first half of the next of next year, 2020. 
26% say exactly 27 starts, which is the end of this season. That's where I'm at. 20% say you're already there and knowing what Josh Allen is. And uh, 12% of you say that um, you need to see over 35 starts before you know what Josh Allen is. That would be somewhere in the second half of next year at least. 803 is the phone number. Let's go to Greg. Greg, you're on the nightcap. How's it going, man? Hey, how you doing? Good. Um, you know, I've been listening to these shows, and I think you guys have a good show generally during the day. I read the Buffalo News where there's a nonstop, constant, in my view, an immature and insipid assault on Josh Allen. Josh Allen's playing as good as he can be. Without Josh Allen, the Bills would be uh, probably 2-7, and seven, maybe 1-8. 2-7? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Who, well, who are you putting in there, a quarterback? Josh Allen. He's he's the guy that why they're winning games. But you you said without him, you think Josh Allen is the one that's been winning them games? Absolutely. Their defense hasn't allowed twenty points more than one time this season. They've allowed more than twenty points. They've played the worst teams in the NFL. They should. But okay, but and they can't score on the worst teams in the NFL. No, when you when your quarterback gets you a lead with five minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and you're a playoff defense. Against a two and sixteen, you shut them down. You get them out. Greg, how many chances did they give the offense? They stopped Cleveland eight times in a row on the one yard line. How many chances do they need? Yeah, you're breaking up, man. I think you're way off, way off. Josh Allen has not been winning them games this year. He has been doing enough for the defense to win them games. That's where I'm at. The defense has proven they can win this team games when the offense is not performing. The offense has not proven that they can win them games when the defense is not performing. That's the that's the flat out truth. They have been in they have been incapable of putting up big days offensively. It's not a secret. And it's not like they've had the toughest schedule in the world defensively or I should say the Bills offensively against opposing defenses. That's crazy. And yes, he's had some fourth quarter comebacks. He has. The Jet game. He did a great job bringing them back in that game. But they went pointless in the first half. The defense kept them in it. The defense, what they've been doing all year is they've been giving the offense just enough chances to get the win. Just enough. And they did it in Cleveland. They did. They gave the offense a chance to win that game. That's all the defense has been doing all season. But to think that the offense has been driving this bus here this season, that's ludicrous. Not even close. They're bottom, they're bottom 10 in almost every offensive category, except for run efficiency. And I know everyone wants to run the football more, but you start running the football more and that number's going to go down. Their, their run efficiency is high because they pass a lot. So, at least in part. They're definitely better at running the football in general. But, yeah, I don't know, man. That, I, 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 don't even know how, I don't even know what to say to that. I think it's, ah. Tom, you're next. What's up, Tom? Oh, my God. Give me something what he had to drink. <laughs> that about now. That was, that was unbelievable. Go ahead, man. Uh, you know, the, the, listen, the reason I called is we had the same conversation with DJ Manuel. The coaches tried to convince us that he needed a wide receiver, so they go out and they, they spend a, you know, two firsts to bring in Sammy Watkins. That doesn't fix them, right? Right. And we, we go, E.J. Manuel goes to, what, one or two other teams. I think it's just one maybe, or two. I don't even remember. He doesn't last in the NFL more than three, four more seasons. 
Then we go to Tyrod Taylor. He's the savior now, and um, we realize it's not the offensive coordinator's fault. He's got good weapons all around him. Goodwin, mm-hmm. uh, Hogan, I could keep going. Well, he had Woods, too, and Watkins. Like, he had four legit receivers. And, and then what happened? And then... Well, then once he lost his receivers, he wasn't really able to throw the football. Yeah. Right. Because he's not a very good quarterback, and what happens when he goes to Cleveland? They're a little bit smarter, and they dump him after, what, one or two games? Mm-hmm. And he's released from that team, and he's struggling out in, you know, Charger land. Well, he's a backup, but yes, yes, I'm not going to dispute that. Go ahead. My, 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 my whole point is this. We're here again at this spot. We have our new Tyrod Taylor. Either we're going to be a little bit smarter about what we do, you know, getting him a new shiny toy and say that's the reason why the guy can't make a pass 10 yards down the field, that's the reason why the guy's struggling, throwing the ball to his left. And the, I've never seen a quarterback drop the ball as much. If, it, if he's a running back, right, never touch the ball in the NFL again. I mean, Sean McDermott, I think, is a little bit more wiser than these other co- uh, coaches that we've had here in the past. You know, I, I think what happens when he starts dropping the ball in a critical game, they should have blown out the Browns. That was a give-me game, but they can't because they have an inconsistent quarterback. Plain and simple. Well, the, the difference, the one difference I will say between this situation and Tyrod's situation and why maybe this will frustrate you because I think it's going to last a lot longer. Tyrod, people forget, he was brought in here as kind of a training camp arm. Like, he was not legitimately thought to be in that quarterback competition. And to think that he went from a guy that they just brought in and nobody thought twice about them signing him to being a three-year starter for the team and having a playoff season and being at least okay – like that's different. You're not you were not invested in him long term. Allen, they are. Where they drafted him, he's going to get a longer leash than Tyrod Taylor. So I think that that part of it will will differentiate these two situations a lot. Unfortunately, you're going to see probably another coordinator come in here and we're going to see him run out of town. Um I, I, I agree with that. I, I got to run here, man. Thanks for the call. I I got to get through some more calls and run out of time here. But um I don't really disagree with a lot of what you had to say. I think you're actually spot on. Let's go to Jason. Jason, what's up, man? You're on the nightcap. Yeah, I wanted to talk about uh, the play calling on Sunday. Okay. You know, I, I've i seen Brian Dayball before. Um, I'm from Cleveland, and I'm a Bills fan. And he he's not imaginative. Um, and, and I think with a young quarterback like Allen, you got to give him – got to give him – some confidence and get him in rhythm with some shorter passes. I mean, it's third and four, third and five, and I'm seeing balls thrown down the field. Even the announcer made a comment: there wasn't any, there wasn't any slant route or or crossing route available. They were all down the field. What about running the ball a little bit more? I mean, I think they ran eight times um, in the first half, and then you didn't even see Singletary out there carrying the ball at all, really, in the second half. Well, what, what do you want to do? Do you want to run the offense they ran with Tyrod Taylor? Because that's what I'm hearing described to me right now. No, I just want I want a little bit more balance. I mean, you got to okay. run the ball, um, and, and you got two good running backs. I mean, Singletary I think is going to be, uh, uh, you know, really good. And Frank Gore, I mean, he's okay. So I, I'd like to see a little bit more balance. Um, don't take your shots down the field, but I, I want to see I want to see a little bit more balance and get some more get some more completion, mm-hmm. short yard situation. This needs to change. Yeah, Jason, thanks for the call. I don't disagree with you either. I, I think that. Cole Beasley was open on several plays that Josh Allen missed on Sunday, including their final offensive play. He was open on the left. He was. And 
The blitz was coming. Allen never thought about that. It was always going to be to John Brown deep. Always. Maybe that comes right down from the coordinator. I don't know. But there is a disconnect happening in this offense right now that is not sustainable. They might make the playoffs with this struggling offense. They will not win a playoff game playing like they are right now. That is not going to happen. You think they're going to go into Baltimore and beat what Lamar Jackson's doing right now? No way with what's going on right now. So... Houston with Deshaun Watson. They're going to play a special young quarterback in the first round. Probably. If they make it. 803-0550 is the phone number. Last call in the nightcap after this. A quick word on Colin Kaepernick. A couple of quick calls. And then we'll get you to, what is it, Tuesday? NASCAR Live. So, if you're a NASCAR fan, stay tuned. Because that's coming up in about 15 minutes here in WGR. Last call on the nightcap. Joe DiBiase here on WGR. The news on Colin Kaepernick, by the way, is that um, he's going to have a private workout with NFL teams. That's going to start. Actually, I don't think there was a date for it, but sometime soon. Uh, He'll be able to work out for teams. He'll be able to interview with them. And um, a guy that should have been in the NFL for the last three years will get a chance to get back into the NFL. And some bad quarterbacks that have played while he's been basically blackballed from the league. And, you know, you're going to have Jeff Driscoll playing football this week. Kaepernick, by the way, the last time he played football, he had 16 touchdowns and four picks. Pretty solid numbers. And he runs, and he's not great, but he's good. He was good. And he says he's in shape. He says he's been working out for three years, just waiting. Um, And I'm intrigued to see who will sign him. Somebody, hopefully, that could get him into an opportunity where he might have to play. I mean, there have been enough injuries at quarterback this season that every backup seems to play at some point. I mean, you've had the Pittsburgh backup go in, and the Jacksonville backup, and the Indy backup, and the the Bills backup even for one point in time with Matt Barkley all over the league. You've had a million quarterback injuries. The Lions now with Matthew Stafford. Matt Ryan, by the way, those two. They both had Ironman streaks, like over 100 games maybe, maybe even more than that, broken because of injuries. So it's been a tough year, and um, all these backups that have gone in, maybe it's made some teams think, hey, there's actually a pretty good quarterback that's not been playing football for the past couple years, that's been wanting to play football, and let's get him in the league, because he should be in the league, because he's absolutely good enough to be in the league. That's it for me, though. NASCAR fans, stay tuned because NASCAR Live is coming up next. And I will be back with you uh, tomorrow for a very brief nightcap before we get you to Niagara Basketball, which will be on the way tomorrow. Same thing on Thursday, a brief nightcap. Um, Actually, no no nightcap on Thursday because I forgot the Sabres are playing. They'll play the Hurricanes 7 o'clock on Thursday. We'll talk a little bit of hockey tomorrow. That's it for me. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And I will talk to you manana. This has been the Nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. 
Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.